For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Wherefore, I am appointed to be a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word and uh, just bringing to light some things that were not even something I had looked at before, maybe seeing this in a new light. Thank you, God, for giving us the Bible, that we have a book a book of answers, the book of truth. God, I thank you for objectivity in a world that's losing its mind, that's becoming undone in so many ways because they don't know truth. I pray that you would help us to carry the truth with us and to speak it in love today, but I thank you for the truth. I pray that you'd help us to, Lord, submit ourselves to your word. I thank you for salvation. I pray for those that are lost that we would be able to reach them through the truth. It's objective. It means it's true for them as much as it's true for us. And although it points out the problem, we are sinners in need of a Savior. We thank you that it points us to the solution. We thank you for Jesus. I do pray that you would help us, Lord, to, uh, to not be afraid I pray that you'd help us to not be ashamed. I pray that you would help us to declare, thus saith the Lord. I pray that you would help us today uh, to have not the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And thank you, all of those gifts come from your Holy Spirit. We thank you so much for all that you're doing here in this place. We pray for your anointing upon the sermon I pray that you would help me to preach your word. I pray that you bless all that is said and done here in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This, this verse is part of a letter written by the Apostle Paul to his young preacher uh, boy, Timothy. Timothy was the pastor of the church in Ephesus. And in the letter, Paul is encouraging Timothy to remain faithful in his calling. And even in the face of persecution, he wanted him to remain faithful as a preacher of the gospel. And um, I've heard it said by, by, I cannot remember who said this, but uh, somebody once said, there's people that can preach the gospel better than I can. But there's nobody that can preach a better gospel. Praise God for that. You know, somebody might be more uh, eloquent in how they share the word. But God has called all of us in our own capacity, where we are at. We might not be in Ephesus like Timothy. But wherever God has put us, God says, I want you to be a preacher of the gospel. And what I mean by that is that we would, be, uh, we would speak forth truth. Okay, we understand in the church that God has called men to lead the church. Okay, but everywhere you go, you have an opportunity to preach the truth, to speak the truth, to declare the truth. And so some might be able to preach the gospel better, but nobody can preach a better gospel. Praise God for that. So we see that Paul is calling Timothy, telling him to to stay faithful. And the specific context of this verse is Paul's exhortation to Timothy to not be afraid of those who might try to harm him. Paul reminds Timothy that he has been given a spirit of power and a spirit of love and a spirit of soundness of mind. It is a reminder for us as Christians also to not be controlled by fear, but rather by faith in God who has given us strength and courage to overcome everything and anything. 
Go with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 2. Hold your place in our text here. If you have a, uh, a marker, you can put that there. But the book of Hebrews, chapter uh, number 2. We'll look at a couple verses in your notes there. I believe you have the verse written out for you. But Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. The Word of God tells us, For as much then as the children, that's talking about us that are saved, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself, talking about Jesus, likewise took part of the same. He became flesh for us. Blood coursed through his veins. And through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. The devil was the means of introducing sin into this world. The devil was the means of introducing death into this world. He, did, he seduced man to sin against God. And we can't blame the devil, but we can, we can understand what he did. He was the one who tempted Eve. A man's sin, Paul says in Romans 5... Man's sin led to death. The curse is upon all creation, and death has come to man, a spiritual death, because we're created in the image of God. We've been given a body, soul, and spirit. And because of man's sin, we went away, away from God. Death passed upon all men through, through Adam. And praise God, Jesus was not the son of man. He was or the son of, uh, of Adam. He was the son of the seed of man. He was the seed of the woman, right? Uh, because of... Uh, God's provision, His providence. We see how that God uh, gave us His Son, Jesus, not from the seed of Adam. But the Holy Spirit conceived in the Virgin Mary and brought us the Son of God who is perfect and sinless. And He Himself only can pay the way for our redemption. So we see that the devil was the means of introducing death in this world. But we see there continuing on in verse 15 of Hebrews chapter 2. And deliver them. Jesus delivers those who through the fear of death. By the way, we are by nature afraid to die. Who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now there is no peace and there is no comfort in the thought of death. For the lost man. There is only despair at the thought of dying. Fear of dying is a legitimate fear for an unbeliever. In fact, in Matthew 10, 28, Jesus told of fear him that is able to destroy both the soul and body in hell. In a world that glorifies violence and darkness, there aren't too many people that want to have a serious conversation about the hereafter. A lot of people talk about death. A lot of people talk about all those things, violence and darkness. They don't want to have a serious conversation about it. Many people try to divert. But in the innermost depths of every soul is a fear of dying and a fear of an uncertain eternity. The escape of drugs and the escape of alcohol can make a person feel powerful and feel invincible and in control of their fear. All of those things can suppress fear of death for a few moments, but the feeling doesn't last. The bondage of fear leads to another bondage, the bondage of addiction. And like quicksand, the more the man struggles, the further he becomes entrapped. He becomes bound in the fear of death and in the addictions that he has. Uh, we see that God, though, is the deliverer. There is a remedy. There's an answer to this gnawing fear in man. There is a Savior who shed his blood on the cross of Calvary. Praise God for Jesus who brings the assurance that all can be well because he delivers us from the bondage of death. Romans 8.15 For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You know, the, the word Abba there in Romans 8.15 is found only three times in the Bible. It's a Chaldee word. It was borrowed from another language. Jesus uses it once. Paul uses it twice. But this is a word 
that would uh, uh, not have been used by a slave. A slave would not have been permitted to use this word. Uh, it was an expression uh, that uh, only a free man uh, in that house would have used in their culture, such as uh, those have, that received the spirit of adoption from God, not servants, not bondsmen. We're no longer bound by the fear of death. We have been freed by the Spirit of God. And uh, we can make use of this word Abba. And then we can call God our Father. Praise God for that. That Jesus frees us from the bondage of the fear of death. That is why if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can look death right in the face and you can have freedom in your spirit and say, Praise God, I, I know whom I have believed in. And I'm persuaded that he will keep that which have, uh, and he will keep me in this, in this uh, uh, protection, this protected place, this place of freedom, this place of redemption. It is not my doing. It is not my uh, freedom. It is not my uh, work that has saved me. It is Jesus Christ who has freed me, and I partake in his blessing. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50, if you would uh, turn there, if you don't have it written out there in your notes, I don't believe I put that there for you, but 1 Corinthians 15, as quickly as you can, turn there. And I thank God that we can cry, Abba, Father, amen? 1 Corinthians 15, 50. How, how many of you have been freed by Jesus Christ, our Redeemer? How many of you have partaken in that redemption? Praise God. 1 Corinthians 15, 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit corruption, incorruption. Behold, verse 51. Look at it, 15, 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. Now, by the way, this is the, the verse that should be on every nursery wall in America. Okay? In the world. Behold, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now, it's not talking about babies sleeping in the nursery and having their diapers changed. Even though, I, like I said, you could put that on the wall, I guess, as a joke. But the truth, the reality is here that some people are not going to face death. And praise God for that. And uh, some of you are saying, well, I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the upper taker. I'm looking forward to going to be with Jesus in the rapture. Amen. Praise God for that. And uh, uh, there is something to be looked forward to. We have that hope, the blessed hope, the appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as we read in Titus. But he says here, we, not, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. We have the prospect of that new glorified body. And uh, even in this life, of course, we've been saved from the power of sin, or the penalty of sin. We're being saved from the power of sin. Someday we'll be saved from the presence of sin. The vestiges of this wicked flesh will be gone, will be changed. But in the process here in our sanctification, as we've already looked at, we know that we're being saved from the power of sin because of what the Lord is doing. If you allow him, what the Lord is doing in your life. Of course, we can read Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for good that uh, love God to them who are the called according to his purpose. And in verse 29, we are being changed, conformed into the image of his son. And as we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as we submit to the Holy Spirit's work in our life, when we got saved, we started that process. Okay, that, that process of surrendering to the Lord everything in our life, making Him our Lord, and following Him in this journey. As we do that, that process of sanctification is conforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. And so, even in this, in this life, you can experience change, praise God. I don't think that somebody should come uh, and, and receive salvation and leave the same way they, they came. I think if you really are saved, and the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. You should be changed forevermore. That process that began on the inside should somehow be sticking out somewhere on the outside. So we see that uh, as we go back to our verse here. Verse 52. I didn't even get a third of the way through here. Verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. What does that mean? That dead body that is corrupted, the flesh, will be raised to life. 
And he says that we that are, are here on earth that have not yet died, we shall be changed. And he says in verse 53, for this corruptible. What is he saying here? Those that are susceptible to dying, which is everyone in this room, and I hate to break it to you, but 10 out of 10 die. That's been the standard statistic for as long as I've known. And I don't look forward uh, necessarily to getting old. Nobody does. We don't look forward to, uh, to the uncertainty there. What's going to happen? But I'm going to tell you right now, we who are corruptible, we who are susceptible to death, we cannot live through life without having uh, met Jesus Christ and expect to go to heaven. We need to be changed. And he says in verse 53, for this corruptible must, must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. Who do we have to put on? We have to put on Jesus Christ. We have to put on Jesus Christ. We who are mortal must have an appointment with the immortal one who died, but is alive forevermore. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Living, he justified freely forever. One day he's coming. Oh, glorious day. But he says there in verse 54, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be, uh, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of the sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Praise God that we who are saved can say to death, O death, where is thy sting? We can say to the grave, Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Because at the end, Christ has the victory. And because he was raised from the dead, and he is the incorruptible one, he is the immortal one, he is alive today, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, we know that if we are in Christ, we can say, Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Because Jesus will rise us up into incorruptible. Adrian Rogers has said, when you are no longer afraid to die, for the very first time in your life, you are ready to live. So many people live their whole life afraid of death. But praise God, if we could get a hold of just this one truth, it would change us. Oh, Christian, you should not be afraid. You should not allow fear to control you. The fear of dying without Christ is a healthy fear that everyone should have, but believers no longer have to fear death. Because you have Christ. You have Christ. Another healthy fear is the fear of God. Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of, do you know the next word? Knowledge. But the fool, fools despise wisdom and instruction. The ABCs of the Christian walk starts with fearing God. One way that you can tell you have a healthy fear of God is how you view your sin. Proverbs eight thirteen. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy. There should be no proud Christian. There's no boasting that I could, uh, that I could uh, do in my life legitimately. Because the Bible says, for by grace are you saved. Amen. Through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of, what's the next word? Not of works, lest any man should boast. So boasting is excluded. We have to abase pride. Put it over here and say, I cannot, I cannot be arrogant or proud because it is not I, it is Jesus who has saved me. And so the fear of the Lord is to hate evil and pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. By the way, when we come to church, we should have an enjoyable time at church. I, I think we should enjoy singing, and we should enjoy uh, worshiping the Lord, and uh, we should uh, be able to laugh once in a while. But may we never lose our reverence for God Almighty. That's why we take the time during the Lord's Supper to, uh, to, to make sure that we're reverent to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
There's times when we, uh, even in, in, in our facility, we try to be careful uh, to worship God through how we take care of this building. How we, uh, how we uh, you know, uh, allow our kids to play in here. Now, I, I know I'm, I, I seem a little bit hypocritical because we're having a Nerf war on Friday, okay? We understand we don't worship the building, but what I'm saying is, when it comes to our worship before the Lord, when, we, when it comes to uh, how we give and how we take care of his facility and what we use it for, this is not a building used to make money. We don't have weddings in here. We don't charge for, you know, to, 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 we don't rent it out in that way. And if somebody does, that's their business. But I'm gonna tell you, we need to be respectful of all that God is and all that, all that God has allowed us to take, be a, a steward of. Whether it's this building or our house, our car, our money, our finances, all of that we need to be a good steward of. But in our corporate worship, may we bring, uh, uh, may we be reverent before God and have a good fear before him, a godly fear. Psalm 89 verse 7, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. So we talked about a few healthy fears there are other fears that are healthy. An electrician should have a healthy fear of electricity. Amen? Because he knows what electricity can do. He knows what it is capable of. Now, a good electrician won't go to work trembling and anxious, but rather he goes to work with a healthy understanding and a respect for electricity. But the spirit, and we could, we could list so many other things there, right? Those fears that keep us alive, amen? Uh, but the spirit of fear that Paul is talking about is not a godly or God-given fear. This sinful spirit of fear is an unusual, negative, unproductive, debilitating, and in some cases even demonic fear that can come upon people. Psychologists and psychiatrists have listed 700 different phobias, from uh, acrophobia to zoophobia, because there are many different ways that they could classify uh, fears that people have, and we're not going to obviously get into all of that. But doctors, and I think it's worthy to note, doctors are finding out that 90% of the chronic patients who they see, or who uh, today's physicians see, have one common problem. Their trouble did not start with a cough or a chest pain or a hyperacidity, which is a heartburn. In 90% of the cases, the first symptom, where it all started, was fear. Fear. One of Satan's chief tools, the one Satan who weakens the nations, the one who makes nations to tremble, his, one of his chief tools, do you know what it is? If you haven't guessed already, it's fear. It doesn't matter if it's Fox or CNN or the local channel. Much of what our society calls news is fear baiting. It's at best, bipart- or it's bi- at best partisan in- entertainment. People are lapping it up. I thought through this. I was thinking through this. Why, why are people, uh, why do they continue watching the news? Because they believe it. People are looking for the truth. And the networks and newspapers who once reported the news have found out that peddling fear is a very potent drug, a very profitable drug, because you get more viewers and subscribers when you sensationalize the news. And more viewers and more describers equal more dollars. It all comes back to money. But Christian, we need to have discernment. We need to have wisdom as we navigate through this world. Some of you have come to realize what just one of the things that the devil is using, the media, you've come to realize that the networks are uh, peddling this fear. But the pendulum can swing the other way. And people go from watching the networks to searching the internet for the truth. Christian, the devil uses this weapon of fear in other ways. He throws fiery darts of faith uh, at our faith. He tempts us to take our eyes off the Lord. 
when you're going through troubles and tribulations or when you're in the depth of maybe the valley of the shadow of death, the devil comes along and he tempts us. He tempts us to question God. He tempts us to question God's word. He tempts us to question God's goodness. See, the devil will use all kinds of things. Everywhere we turn, there's an opportunity for us to fear and to have that spirit of fear that Paul is talking about. And we are tempted to despair and lose faith and hope in God. He wants us to doubt our salvation. He wants us ultimately to give up on living for the Lord. But in the darkness, don't doubt God. You have to determine right now that I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to trust the Lord. You read the life of Job. You'll see a man who said, the thing I feared has come upon me, right? But he said, though he slay me, I don't know, I don't know what you're doing, God, but though he slay me, I'm, I'm still going to trust God. Trust the Lord. Don't doubt God. If it is true in the light, it'll be true in the darkness. Victory is knowing the truth and walking in the truth. John 8, the Bible says in verse 32, Jesus said, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There is freedom in knowing the truth and in walking in the truth. Praise God for that. 2 Timothy 1.7, back to our text, if you would. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen? And uh, number one today, the power of We see the power, the spirit of God. The spirit of God. Timothy, you've got the Holy Ghost living inside of you. He is more powerful than than the Roman Empire. Timothy, God, his Holy Spirit, is more powerful than Caesar. The Holy Spirit is more powerful than your political enemies and your religious enemies. He's more powerful than depression. He's more powerful than any phobia. He's more powerful than the darkest hour or the deepest valley. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you know when fear comes upon us the strongest? Fear comes upon us when we are weak. When we feel weaker than our enemies. Imagine, if you would, a ch- uh, elementary age child, little boy, and he f- he's facing a bully at school, and some of you faced bullies at school. But every day that bully picks on him, that is until that little boy brings his older brother to school. Remember his old, little boy here, elementary school, but he's got an older brother in high school. And that older brother is six foot two, 200 pounds of lean muscle. And he's a all-state champ, ch- uh, wrestling champion. And here, you know, the, the, the little boy in elementary school, he's afraid. He's afraid of the bully. And um, as they say, the bigger they are, the harder they fall, Right? I've also heard it put this way. The bigger they are, the harder they hit. Amen? Miss Laverne, you know who I'm talking about. I sense that we have a a kindred spirit here. And and this little boy, he brings his older brother with him. And guess what? That little boy is no longer afraid. You see, because of who is with him. He's no longer afraid. And that's what the Apostle Paul is telling Timothy. He says, God has given us the spirit of power. His Holy Spirit, God's almighty, omnipotent spirit is in us. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20, Lo, I am with you. When we go and we go into this dark world, oh, it's getting harder and harder. To witness. But I must remind us, the darker the night, the brighter the light, amen? So you might say, well, it's difficult because people are, man, they are, they, are, they are so 
uh, rude and obstinate and ugly. But you're going to find that there's some people that are so thirsty for the gospel, for the real truth, that you will have power. There's a Holy Spirit that's with us. You go with, uh, uh, you, you, you have the Holy Spirit with you as you go, and you cannot forget that. The Holy, Holy Spirit's with you. The devil wants us to forget that, though. The devil says, you can't do it. But the truth is, yes, you're right, I can't do it, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I have God with me. And guess what? The devil can't touch the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote in Romans 8, 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? I want to worship this morning and think about Psalm 34, verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me. But do you think that David had a few battles in his life? Do you think that David had a few uh, hours of depression and loneliness and discouragement and despair? Uh, he says here in verse 4, I sought the Lord and he heard me. And he delivered me from all my fears. Praise God for that. Go with me to 1 John since we'll be here for a little bit. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John 4 as quickly as you can there. Go all the way to the back. The, the epistle of 1 John. Okay, And uh, right before the book of Revelation, we see a few books here. Uh, but the uh, first of this group of three books is 1 John chapter number 4. And uh, there's a lot to be said about love in this chapter. I'm going to finish up here and on this thought of the power in verse number four. And then we'll stay here in this chapter and we'll look at some things that God says about love. But letter A, we have the power over fear and anxiety we also have the power to overcome trials and tribulations. We also have the power to live a victorious life. Verse number four, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in your world, uh, in the world. And we see in, ver uh, 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 in verse number eight, another thought about the nature of God's love. Number two, we see love, the heart of God. Number one, the power of that he gives us. He's given us the spirit of power. He didn't give us that spirit of fear. If you have that fear in your life where it's debilitating and it's controlling you, it is keeping you from doing God's will, that is not God's spirit. That's the spirit that needs uh, of Satan. And how do we rebuke that spirit? By doing what God tells us to. To remind ourselves that we have the spirit of God's power. We have the Holy Spirit. We also have a spirit, the spirit of love, the heart of God. God's heart is not against his children. God wants to bless his children. Uh, uh, sometimes we don't know what God's doing. Sometimes we wonder, what in the world are you doing, God? Why are you doing this? I've heard it said, when you can't see his hand, trust his heart. So we see here in verse number uh, eight. Okay, look at it with you, uh, with me, if you would. Verse seven. Let's just start there, since that's where it really starts. Beloved, now look at it. Don't don't miss this. And um, I know the young people tuned in when we talked. We start talking about love. They like to talk about love, and it's a wonderful thing to be in love. We think about the love that God has for us, though, okay? This is where it all starts. Verse number seven. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. There is no more dynamic force to overcoming fear than love. I mean, you would think that Paul would write here that uh, right in... 1 Timothy 1, verse number 7, that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but the spirit of power and of courage. But that's not what he wrote. He said he's given us the spirit of love. 1 John four eighteen. if you would look down further, 
And uh, Paul, or, I'm sorry, John writes here, there is no fear in love, okay? But perfect love casteth out, what's the next word? Fear. Perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We'll, we'll uh, talk a little bit more about that in a second, but God loves us perfectly. Think about God's perfect love. God loves us in a perfect, holy love. And his perfect love for us has the power to cast out every ungodly fear in our life. Now, when you fall in love for the very first time, when you say the words, I love you, and you even hear the word, or the words, I love you, those three powerful words, that has an effect on a person. That has a powerful effect on a person to not only love, but to be loved. I think about 12 years ago when I was a much younger man, and when Mrs. Hoover uh, told me that she loved me. Now, I had to tell her first, okay? But she told me that she loved me. There wasn't anything else that could have built my confidence more than those three words. I didn't care what anybody else in the world thought. I didn't care what anybody else said. She said all I needed to hear. It didn't matter what anybody, what anybody else thought. It didn't matter what anybody else said. Because the one that I cared about reciprocated their love. From the heart of God to every one of us, God says, I love you. First John verse, uh, 4, verse 17. Okay, uh, go with me if you would there. Uh, Here is our love made perfect. And then, don't miss this. What is the next phrase? That we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. Jesus didn't leave us here as orphans. He gave us the Holy Spirit. We have his power. But we also understand that God loved us. God loves us. He loved the world so much that he gave his son for us. He gave us his spirit. He gave us his son. Praise God for that. I see some Bibles zipping up. I know we're not quite done yet, so don't, don't quite get too comfortable, okay? But um, God's love, and I want you to get this, God's love gives us confidence. His love gives us boldness. We have confidence that, uh, so much confidence when we understand that God loves us, that we realize love, it casts out fear, it empowers us even to love others. God's love for us gives us that love, power to love others. Do you know that there's nothing that will neutralize fear more for so, in soul winning and in saying sometimes the hard thing, okay, speaking the truth, there's nothing more that will neutralize that fear than your love for another person. And by the way, don't wait around until uh, you have the feeling. Sometimes we say, well, when I feel <laughs> like forgiving them, then I'll forgive them. Love is a choice. True agape love that he's talking about here, that is a choice, and you have to choose to do it. But guess what? Greater is he. The power of the Holy Spirit can empower us, and the understanding, the knowledge of his love can empower us to love others as Jesus loves us, to forgive one another, even as Christ, as God hath forgiven us uh, for Christ's sake. Praise God for that. We see here that God's love gives us that confidence. It gives us great confidence. You watch even uh, in a uh, human understanding of this. You think about the love that a mother has for a child. It's not, there's probably not anything that the mother would not do. I heard of mothers that have uh, lifted cars. <laughs> I'm not talking about women that go uh, and, you know, they, they are in, in powerlifting competitions. These are just average women, you know, lifting a car off of their child who is maybe pinned under that car. I heard about a mother that literally strangled to death a German shepherd 
who is attacking her child. That's the power of love. That's a familial, natural love that God has put in. It's an innate love that God has put into mothers. Natural affection is what the Bible calls that. But you think about that, that same kind of love that God puts in a mom for her children. That's the kind of love that God has for us in an even greater way, in an incomprehensible way. But think about this. If God loves us, he says, then you should love one another. We should, we should love others the same way that God loves us. Love that transforms us from the inside out. Number three, we see the sound mind, the mind of Christ. This word sound mind, it literally means a, dis, a disciplined mind. A mind that has dis, uh, discernment and wisdom. A mind of self-control. The devil is not going to be able to manipulate us with fears anymore if we understand that God has given us a sound Mind. The devil wants to say, make you think that you're crazy. The devil wants to, uh, to, to debilitate you by uh, making you think that you're somehow insufficient. But God, who has put his spirit inside of us, he's given us uh, power. He's given us love. He, he showed us what love is. But he also gives us a disciplined mind. And we need to submit that mind to the Lord. In all of these ways, we need to be submitted to the Lord. We can't work in our own flesh and, 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 and rely on our power. We need God's power. We can't love in the flesh. We need God's love flowing through us. We also need to have God's mind. He has actually given us his mind, and it's right here. This is where we find soundness of mind. The truth will make you free. You need to get to the word of God. Okay, you can watch all the Dr. Phil and Oprah that you want, and you might get some insight there, but you're not going to get the right kind of insight until you come to the Word of God. We need God's mind. God's mind. What is God's mind on? I don't care what uh, George Stephanopoulos says or what um, you know, any, any of those pundits say. I don't care what, um, what any of them say. What is God's mind? A controlled mind. A sound mind where we can see things for what they really are. Zig Ziglar said that fear is false evidence appearing real. I think about when I was a, probably, a, probably eight years old. Just going to pick a number out of the air because I don't remember how old I was. But I had a little, little fixie one-speed bicycle, and we, we put that thing. I remember there, a carpenter went with my dad and I. We drove in a minivan all the way out to Montana, to Sealy Lake, Montana. We built a cabin there in 1997. So I guess I was 10, all right? Nine going on 10. And I remember the carpenter, yeah, we were going to take my bicycle, so I had something to do, you know? And uh, I couldn't build a cabin, even though I, I helped. But, you know, give myself something to do. They put this bicycle on top of, of our car. We didn't buy a bike rack. We had a custom built out of two-by-fours. He put this thing up there, and it was full of mud. You know, I've been riding it through the mud. And I remember Mr. Neville, he said, that thing is going to be spick and span. It'll be perfectly clean by the time we drive those 1,200, 1,500 miles or whatever it is to Montana. And he was right. The rain, the wind, everything cleaned that bike up. We got there, I was riding my bicycle around, and we're, now, 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 now remember, this is Montana, this is remote wilderness, eh, somewhat where we were, but there was bears, there were mountain lions, I mean, I have pictures of bear tracks, you know, mountain lion tracks, would find these things, and, but I remember I was riding my bicycle and having a great old time driving through the roads and down through, you know, all the different places, cabins that were there, but it began to get dark. And by the way, in the summer, it doesn't get dark out there until about 11 o'clock at night. It was like 10 o'clock, and it was getting dusk, and I should be home. You know, I should be back where everyone else was, up by the cabin. And I remember I kind of got too far. And I remember it got dark on my way back on the bicycle, and I was scared to death. I was so scared that I stopped. because I, I, I could see the road, but I was afraid of what might be between me and my dad. I was nervous. I remember I had bought a cap gun. And I was trying to signal my dad, you know, with the cap gun. You know, three, you know, SOS. You know, I was like, come save me. There was really probably not much to be afraid of. And it's one of those moments when you're a kid and you, you turn the lights off and you run up the stairs because you're afraid of the dark. 
And it was one of those, I was so paralyzed, I, I stopped. But you know, my friend, that's how we get in the Christian walk sometimes. We stop because we're afraid. We're afraid of what might be ahead. And although the Lord is right over there, he's, he's with us. And he says, go on to the other side. I think what Jesus said to his disciples, they got into the boat to cross the Sea of Galilee. I mean, these men had been seeing God do some, some wondrous things through his son. And Jesus went to sleep in the boat and the storm came on the Sea of Galilee. And guess what? The disciples were afraid. They have the very Son of God with them, but they're afraid, and sometimes it's how we operate, isn't it? But we have to remember, don't doubt in the darkness what God has showed us in the light. Before they even got into the boat, he said, we're going to go to the other side. Jesus said, we're going to go to the other side. And that's a little insight in that scripture that you have to remember that when Jesus tells us to go to the other side, he's going to take us to the other side. I think of what Proverbs tells us. Proverbs 56, 3, what time I am afraid I will trust in thee. A mind that is focused on God's truth is a mind that will be sound. I'm going to read for you Philippians chapter 4, and we're closing here. A mind that is disciplined and self-controlled. Who's in control of your mind? Ultimately, we think self-control, but it needs to be Christ-controlled. Christ-controlled. And then we see a mind that is at peace in the midst of chaos. Isaiah 26, 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known, made known unto, or be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. That means he's close by. He's with us. Be careful for nothing, but in everything. What does that mean, careful? We don't really use this in this, in this way now, but careful just means full of cares. Don't be filled with care. Don't be filled with fear. Be careful for nothing. How can we say that? He gives us the answer. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Come to God in prayer, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts, shall guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, don't focus on the lies. Don't focus on the fear peddling. Focus on what is true. What has God revealed to us in his word? Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, what does he say? Think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Standing to your feet. If Jesus says, we're going to the other side, he's not just talking. He means what he says. He is the embodiment of truth. The living word. And when the written word tells us something, we need to trust it. Don't look at the storm. Don't focus on all those. Those are trials and tribulations. Those are testing, testing of our faith. But you hold on to the mighty hand of God, and he will see you through. I want you to pray with me. I'm going to close in a word of prayer, but I'm going to give you an opportunity. Come and talk to the Lord. And take that fear that you have, that spirit of fear, the doubt, the dismay and, and troubled spirit where you have no peace, where you have, you have turmoil in your heart. Take all of those things, lay them at the feet of Jesus and say, I'm gonna embrace truth. 
I'm going to think only things that are true, honest, good report, lovely. And I want the sound mind that God can give me. Don't let fear control your life. Like 90% of the people that are sick, of course we understand we're going to go through sickness. But don't self-induce sickness with your lack of trust in God. Christians should be the most peaceful people in the world because we know who holds tomorrow. Father, Lord, I do pray that you would bless this time of invitation. Help us to take our heavy burdens, lay them at the cross. Thank you that we know that our sin debt has been nailed to the cross of Jesus. I pray for, for one or two or however many are here or maybe watching that don't know Jesus as their personal Savior. Father, we pray for them that today that they would have their burdens lifted at Calvary and that they would be forgiven of their sins, not trusting in works, church membership, baptism, but trusting only in Jesus. We thank you for that free gift of salvation that has appeared to all men, Jews, Gentiles. You are not, you, you are not discriminating against anybody. You, your will is that all should come to repentance. And so I do pray that you'd help, help each person to evaluate their life, to know in their heart of hearts that they are a child of God. And then I pray for the Christian, Lord, that uh, we can still be susceptible to this temptation. But it shouldn't be a reality. The fear of death, the fear of the unknown, the fear of tomorrow, the fears that we are facing, they're not, it's not truth. We're not walking in truth if we're controlled by those things. They do crop up, they come into our life, but Lord, help us to have victory in knowing that you have conquered all of those things. And God, you're with us. You've given us your Holy Spirit. You've given us the example of love, what powerful, uh, what power there is in love. We thank you for the truth to give us discernment and a sound mind. I pray that you bless each and every Christian. Help us to come to you and, and just and pour out our heart and say, God, help me through this. Help me to live like I've never lived before. That we can no, no longer fear death and now live like, <laughs> begin to live our life for you. I pray that you bless in this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like, you can come to the altar. There's somebody to counsel with you here.